0: I'm Floyd Hall and we're here on the campus of Spelman College. And I have the honor of speaking with the executive staff of the Spelman College Museum of Fine Art. Starting from my right, going to left, I would ask that all of you all give your illustrious titles for the audience. Makiva, <laughs> starting with you. Thank
1: you. Um, thank you, Floyd. Mm-hmm. This is one of the most amazing introductions my name is mckeeba dixon hill and i'm the curator of education here at the museum my name is andrea barnwell brownlee
2: and i'm the director of the museum i'm ann collins smith i am the curator of collections
0: i am very honored to be speaking with all of you Uh, right now i believe that the the museum does such excellent programming and it's because of all of you here at this table and we're here on the campus Um, in this space, in the faculty cloisters, uh, talking about well, what you're listening to right now, which is a podcast. So uh, this podcast is uh, an added uh, dimension for the museum. And I would love for uh, Makiba for you to give some some context to why this moment is even happening right now.
1: Well, it started with you, actually, Floyd, and and the public and everyone that's at this table. So the beginning is so rooted in the museum's mission and why we're here, what brings us at the office every day, what puts the work on view, and what Ann was saying earlier, we eat art. I thought that was so amazing. (laughs) And so coming from that space of focusing on Black women artists and cultural producers, when you and the museum were doing a podcast as a series it then became this important moment as we're looking at what's happening in the United States right now and abroad as Black Girl Magic starts to not only gain traction on the interwebs but people are living this life of recognizing that we are our own muses that we are the people that we're waiting for we're looking at all of these different ways to be independently focused and collectively powered and so in that way we thought as we start to deepen the way that we communicate, as well as expand with all of the cultural producers that we find not only in our communities locally, but um, throughout various borders. We're looking at the podcast as this opportunity to kind of galvanize those interests and um, those connections. And so we just thought the time was right and the season was just appropriate to begin to launch a podcast series independently.
0: Andrea, uh, I say this with confidence, and I say it because I believe it. Uh, It's been said, I've I've overheard this in many circles in the art community in Atlanta, that you are one of the finest directors of an art institution in the city of Atlanta, and that you do such great work. And I would love for you to talk about your role here at the museum and your philosophy um, from a leadership perspective.
3: Sure, well I'll start off by saying you can't always believe the words you hear on the street. (laughs) But thank you so much for that really generous compliment. Thanks very much. Um, My philosophies are really that you surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. You figure out what your strengths are and you figure out what your passions are and you figure out what type of constellation do you need to have around you to make it work. I'll be the first to say that you know, we are about to turn 20 years old and i can honestly say that i thought that we would be building at a faster rate from a people power perspective but at the same time i genuinely believe that you figure out who are the people and the skill sets and the personalities that are going to not only sort of bolster the mission of the institution but help you to grow um, both professionally and personally and so as I think about where we are in this phase of our evolution, it's one of those moments where I think I continue to do projects that I'm passionate about. I continue to surround myself with people that we are very, very different, but of really like minds. And now when I think about the women, the works of art that we are presenting are dynamic and they're fierce and they're bold and they're audacious and they're beautiful, they're aesthetically pleasing. And really don't do anything you don't believe in. Don't present any projects that you don't feel 100% behind. So it's really a long answer to your really short question, but I really genuinely believe that it is um, a mission that is fantastic, it is a calling that is unique. And um, we're on the road to something incredible as we prepare to be on the threshold of 20 years old.
0: 20 years now. And I've had the pleasure of seeing you in action in the the museum space, leading groups of people around uh, seeing the work, explaining the work, really giving uh, and really giving a platform uh, for some understanding. And I really appreciate what you do and how you do it. And so I would love uh, for you to maybe share some words on on uh, your role here at the museum as well.
2: My primary responsibility is as a curator of collections, but I'm trying, I endeavor to make the collections active and link towards what may be on view and to, to spark conversation around that, um, spark community around our collections, make sure that the collections grow and that they're sustained and that they're honed. And so that's my basic primary responsibility, but I like to dig my um, claws into a lot of things because that helps to animate and enliven our collections activities as well. So through um, mentoring or giving tours, or just helping to foster greater and deeper relationships and helping our audience to really connect with the art in ways and and when and where and how they enter the museum space and how they enter their lives. So that's what I try to do.
0: Now, one thing that you all have in common, besides being left-handed, which I learned (laughs) earlier, uh, is that you all, all three of you, uh, are graduates of this institution. And I don't know if I knew that. I I think I I did know that, but I think seeing all of you here together, it kind of comes together for me. And I wanted to get some perspective from from you all as as cultural workers on this campus in a place where you have uh, come through and come of age to a certain extent. What does that mean to you in terms of what you all do here, um, given the context of where you do it? And, and personally what that means to you.
3: Sure, um, I can start off by saying that this building did not exist when I was a student. We had a groundbreaking, um, it was my sophomore year. There was a groundbreaking for this building, but the institution didn't exist. And that is a distinct difference with both Mekiba and Ann. And so I knew that in some capacity, I would come back to Spelman. I didn't know if it would be a professorship or if it would be, I didn't know specifically what it would be, but I knew in some way, shape, or form I would be back. But this, as an entity, just didn't exist. And so, again, being very pensive at this moment of being on the brink of of 20 years, I've been thinking a lot about how it all happened. Um, I was working in Chicago, and I got a call, and it was you come back. And I was like, not a good time. I was writing my dissertation. Although I was a doctoral candidate at Duke, I was working at the Art Institute of Chicago. Not a good time. Sorry, can't do it. Five years went by from the time that the building um, opened, the museum opened, until um, I came in 2001. And so I thought about when the timing would be right. I wanted to make sure that I, I finished my my writing, et cetera, et cetera. So I have a very different view of this institution because it, it just, there, it didn't exist. There was no brick, there was no mortar. So at, at heart, I'm a builder, though. I really am truly a builder. And so there were a lot of people who said, there's really not an infrastructure. You have to come and build staff, grow an acquisitions budget, go, you know, all of these things. And a lot of people really did try to encourage me to think differently about it but again I think about sort of how I'm built and the things that really um, excite me and um, really bring about a range of emotions so um, for me it was a it was a, a canvas it
1: was a, a clean slate because it simply just did not exist before Something interesting happened when I was sitting on a panel around this time last year, and we were discussing art education from various vantage points. Colleagues from Wonder Root were there, um, as well as the Alliance Theater and classroom art instructors. And the question was being asked, well, how do you do community engagement and why does it work for your institution? And I gave an answer, but it wasn't until the end when I realized that community engagement can start with the person who's being hired and representing the institution with the work that they do. So as someone who's from Atlanta, Georgia, grew up in many instances on Spelman College's campus, had a parent that worked at Clark Atlanta University and graduated from Morehouse, went to elementary school and high school in Southwest Atlanta, to then go to Spelman, to go through the art department, and then to be here and and to travel and go to other museums and cultural institutions around the country and come back. All of those experiences and all of those people came with me when I got into this position. So it was looking at advocacy as a life, style. And that is what assisted in making accessibility, relevancy, um, authenticity so easeful because it was a lived experience. And so that was such an amazing moment that kind of has this really interesting overlap because I was living in Chicago when Andrea told me about the opportunity. So it's just quite an an interesting moment and I've actually never shared this before but when we were talking I mentioned to her that this was a dream job for me because I felt at that particular point in my life I wanted to go back home literally but then also take what has been cultivated and learned back to a place that I thought would be the the perfect place to share. And in many instances, that's what it's been for me. And so advocate, sister, daughter, all of these different things that are like heart-focused words as well as um, legacy-building words are just all intermingled in why I'm here and why I'm motivated.
2: Hmm. I'm trying to think about my role as curator of collections, but actually I'm like the connector of our collections. I have the very blessed um, honor of being here when the museum opened. So as an art history student, I was the research assistant for the museum in its first show, Bearing Witness. But one of our first activities was to canvas, the campus for the college's art collection. And so we went through all the dorms and all the administrative buildings and we got to see our collections. And now coming back in this capacity, I'm connecting our past with our present and forging towards our future to make sure that we have that resource, that jewel, and that it continues to um, inform and excite and enliven and enrich curriculum, our collections, our sisterhood. And our place in this cultural, and this cultural Mecca. We don't say that that often, but it's cultural Mecca.
0: That's a great uh, a great response, And as well as, as yours, M'Keeva, and Andrea. I think that that really gives some context to the leadership and your relationship to the institution and to this place and to this city. And I feel like for our listeners out there who have now or should have a, a good sense of, of the past up to this point... Uh, it's a great time to look to the future. So, Andre, I would love for you to uh, talk about the upcoming exhibition.
3: Sure. Um, I really can't say enough about this exhibition, which is entitled Africa Forecast, Fashioning Contemporary Life. But before I talk about that, as we springboard sort of into the future and we think about the magic of this moment, I really just want to pause for a moment and talk about this incredible program that we have started in collaboration with the Department of Art and Art History. It's a curatorial studies program and we are interested in making sure that Spelman students are at the table when conversations about diversity, um, about inclusion, about the next generation of Black professionals comes up. We've got to be at the table and we know that There are all sorts of fellowships and things that are being created, but they're being created for the graduate level. So what happens when we take an incredible team of thought leaders and of producers, and we make a concerted effort to give our students that opportunity to consider being a curator as a potential profession? And the reason that I mention it not only because we are um, here today and it's something I'm very very excited about but also because I had the chance to give the curatorial studies class a tour of the show which is currently um, being installed to see them get so very excited about the work that is in the process of being installed to talk about how it contrasts with the last exhibition that we presented, which was entitled Black Chronicles 2, which was organized by Autograph in London, and to see it really click and really go, a light bulb just go off, to talk about installation strategies, research, the decisions that you make around the objects that you choose, how do you choose those objects? It was an incredible, incredible, incredible moment. So as we look at this project, which I organized and curated with Erica Dahlia Massakoy, who is an incredible curator, art historian, and also an entrepreneur based in Seattle, we really wanted to look at a number of aspects of fashion. You know, we've been talking about the fact that, sure, It's a noun, but it's also a verb. And how are these incredible artists going about fashioning their lives? So we have gone through an incredible phase of looking at fashion as a marketplace and as a runway and as a business to looking at how fashion appears in museums and where black and brown people don't fit in those exhibitions that are all about fashion and What does that mean for artists and fashion designers when there's a melding of the mind, if you will? So this exhibition is multidisciplinary. It's video, it's painting, it's garments, it's photography, it's performance. I mean, it's a a real snapshot of what's going on right now in terms of Black women artists fashioning their lives. It um, features Few exhibit few artists excuse me who are in Atlanta but we're also looking to everywhere from Haiti in the Dominican Republic to London to I mean it's just a really really exciting um, group of, of women artists that we've had the good fortune to to bring together in this way so 20 artists 20th anniversary it's a really really exciting time.
0: I'm excited to see the exhibition and I want to go back to the curatorial studies. Uh, program that you mentioned, and Makiba, and and please feel free to jump in. I, as I think about contemporary life and the the digital age that we live in, where uh, a lot of individuals are able to curate their own existence uh, online uh, via Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat or whatever favorite app that they're that they're using, are you seeing the not the raw tools, but are are you seeing the the raw talent or the 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 interest there as a function of maybe our our current way in which we communicate in terms of being curators and, and maybe you being able to maybe hone that into a more structured way because I, I feel like we're all finding the right angle to use we're trying to get the right composition in the photo so I feel like there there is some there 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 is some some basic level of of understanding of that um, but I would love for you to maybe go a little bit deeper into that into maybe what you're taking Uh, We're bringing them to, in terms of that.
3: Sure. I definitely agree that people are being more deliberate. Our students are being very, very deliberate about how they construct not only their lives and fashion their own lives, but where they want to be, who they want to be with, who they want to be seen with, the experiences that they want to have. They're very, very deliberate about really orchestrating and organizing their lives in very, very deliberate ways. So what happens when we take those impulses and those skills, those talents, and those energies, and we combine them with art history, anthropology, and sociology, and we allow them to certainly have the space to be who they are and to um, evolve into the women that we know that they are evolving into, But at the same time, we guide them through classroom and classroom experiences to consider a profession where they've always been rendered absent. So there are some real aha moments. Um, We have the incredible pleasure of welcoming back our students after a summer of being interns in various museums around the country. Incredible partners, um, basically gave our students the opportunity to spend anywhere from six to ten weeks with them in their museums. And the the aha moments that they had are really tremendous And documenting those things and dissecting them and talking about those histories of those respective institutions. It is a really magical moment of recognition and a real decision making. I love when the students come by and they say, I have decided this is what I want to do. It's only been here for a year. The program actually hasn't even had a complete year of, you know, hasn't been in existence for a complete year. So what we know is a couple of things. With the opportunities, our students soar. So you ask, is the raw talent? Is the raw interest there? It's there. We just now have to craft and mold this clay in ways that we didn't think of before. And there's no doubt in my mind that when it's all said and done, that people that believed in the program, primarily the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, that they too are going to agree that it exceeded everyone's expectations. So the talent is here. The opportunity wasn't until now.
1: I also find it really interesting that while a program like the Curatorial Studies program is happening, we can also get into the transformative experiences and connections that happen for those of us who were not here when the program existed that lay a an unshakable foundation that communicates. And I learned this 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 word from attending the association for african americans african american museum's conference this summer and one of the pioneers in the field was speaking about mainstream is the stream that you're fishing in and i loved that because in many instances when we're talking about dominant culture In quotation marks when we're talking about mainstream museums in quotation marks we don't always get a chance to recognize that culturally specific institutions have value and have been in many instances the training grounds for many of these leaders that are here now have come before us and are definitely integrated in making many of the institutions that we're looking at as models what they are or what they were. And so what was happening was something that was almost feeling like an underground railroad of sorts, where when we were moving in the field, we just automatically got introduced to a curator that was at various institutions, whatever city that we're in. So it's a really unique opportunity that while students are having these formalized experiences that have been made accessible with grant funds, with um, their, um, diverse advocates, we can still lead them through the pipeline that many of us came through that is indescribable and in, invaluable. So it's a wonderful moment to be able to do both rather than continuing to believe that it has to be one or the other.
0: Makiba, thank you for those words. And I would love to go back to the upcoming exhibition. Makiba, um, I know you are uh, heavily involved in the programming. So could you maybe speak to some of the, the programming tenants that may be available to our listeners Uh during the run of the exhibition?
1: Absolutely, Floyd. What's always a highlight is for the public to have an opportunity to hear straight from the artist's mouths, their process. Where are they? What do they think, you know? And so there are going to be several opportunities to do that through the run of the exhibition when the exhibition opens, which will be September 15th, 2016, at the opening reception at 6.30, we'll have an artist talk program. So three featured artists will be a part of that show. And then we'll kind of have our last closing exhibition um, program on September, no, November 30th at 6.30, which will include several other artists that are in the show. Something else that I'm particularly excited about It's just in the same way that when you asked Anne that first question about seeing her in the museum and then just how that really shifted and added some texture to the way that you saw her and gained this appreciation for the work that she does. So many people have had transformative museum experiences through guided tours. And thinking about that in terms of education and programming, how would it also feel if we're committed to, which we are, Emphasizing work by women artists of the African diaspora, how would it be to reach out to Georgia-based Black women artists to lead tours of this particular exhibition through their artistic practice, by what gives them inspiration so weekly throughout the month of November, there will be tours led by Atlanta-based artists and cultural producers such as Kwajalein Jackson, Grace Kisa, Jerusha Graham, Tamra Natalie Madden, and um, Symphony Sumter, who is actually a professor at Clark Atlanta University and a fashion designer. So looking at the wide range of all of these talented Black women, cultural producers, but looking at how can we have this dialogue, but also using the works of art, on view inside of the museum as that point of entry, and then their work as these really great um, places of departure and collection and collaboration and and discussion and and a really wonderful moments of reveal and conversation. So we've got a lot of other things on, on, on the calendar, but those were just two moments that really want to submit our moment as being artist focused. So, yes.
0: And I would encourage all of our listeners to uh, look up all of the folks who Makiba uh, just name dropped. I think okay. you'll, you'll be excited to learn about all of the, the wonderful things that they uh, have done and are doing uh, in our cultural community. Uh, Andrea, you want to add something?
3: I also just wanted to to say that one of the most exciting, rewarding, and gratifying things that um, I encounter is when I'm out and about and someone asks, when is the first yoga in the museum session? I say that because it's a program that, you know, Makiba really, really started and launched and people have taken to it like wildfire. So, of of course, we're closed on Mondays, But that one hour from 12 until 1, where they know they're going to be able to focus on a number of yoga principles, see incredible works of art, not have to worry about a group of other audience members coming to mill through the space. It's their space for an hour. And it doesn't really matter if you are part of the immediate Spelman community or if you're neighbor coming to visit it's really become this destination and so as we talk about the number of ways that we all help people to engage objects and engage exhibitions and engage works of art in general there's something very very special about this focus right now on wellness and healing and what yoga in the museum is really about so it's truly yet another program that mikiba has really spearheaded
0: and just to confirm Uh, Yoga in the Museum takes place when and how often?
1: Mondays, beginning September 19th, from noon to 1 p.m. The program is free, open to the public. Everybody is welcome. We even have our brothers at Morehouse College and Clark Atlanta University coming. We have senior yoga instructors. So we're really communicating that yoga is for everybody. And so thank you so much for mentioning that, Andrea. It has truly been a, a program that's been closed. So I guess, can I do one more? One more, Okay, sure. just one. I'll do this one okay. because it also comes with this really amazing story and amazing moment. So we created this program called Black Box. And at the center of it is, can we invest in cultural producers who have, number one, the courage to call themselves an artist, and then number two, to actually have an idea. So we're sewing in to artists that have an in-progress work in mind and giving them the space and modest resources to actualize it. Well, we're at a really exciting point because now we're going to do a black box program for somebody who's realized it. So they're going to come back and share the final product. And I just thought it was so amazing that in our cycle, almost 10, but not quite, to actually not even be with that complete number and then be able to come back around and say, we're revisiting a black box. So that will be C. Nicole Mason, who has initially came with the idea of a memoir that really focuses on what can happen when we kind of get engaged with poverty studies in a at a site specific like Spelman College, like Atlanta, Georgia, that really has a lot of conversation and mythology around class, as well as status. You know, all of these different indicators that you can kind of base your levels of success. But in many instances, people who are part of working class communities are not necessarily at the center of those particular conversations. So it became a really interesting dialogue that she used using her memoir. Well, now it's a published book. With, um, under St. Martin's Press, she actually was a featured speaker alongside Oprah Winfrey at Essence Festival in New Orleans. So to kind of have this moment to bring her back and be, then be in partnership with the college's um, honors program to then have a roundtable discussion with several Spelman students about issues relating to race, class, gender, and sexuality. All conversations that come up in her book just really kind of created a a nice full circle moment that I wanted to share with everyone. So that'll be in November as well. So check our website to find out more details about it. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to just kind of stay in the loop for those programs and exhibition moments that we've been recording so far.
0: Thank you, Makiba. Thank you for all of that. Uh, As we wrap up, I I would love for each of you to maybe uh, share some closing perspectives uh, either on the curatorial studies program the upcoming exhibition uh, the 20th anniversary uh, whatever we talked about here in this moment I would love for you all to maybe uh, share some closing thoughts based on whatever moves you I'll go from my left to right and
2: uh, cool so as we consider fashioning as fashion as a noun and a verb, we are trying to launch um, this endeavor called Be Your Own Muse," And so in many ways, we're trying to see how, you know, we can fashion these fantastic lives. So I, I am inviting um, our listeners to really post about what it means to be your own use using hashtag Be Your Own Use. So thank you. So I'm very excited about this exhibition.
3: So as we think about this full circle moment, I can't help but think about the rich treasures that are at Spelman College specifically and the treasures that are in the Atlanta University Center. Um, As I'm sure you know, the National Museum of African American History and Culture is opening um, this month. And I think about the fact that one of the works that they requested is from this collection to work by Jacob Lawrence. I think about the number of people that have requested works from our permanent collection, whether it's Faith Ringgold or Carrie Mae Weems or Piona Rosiel Brown. So, our collection is on the move and it's being seen in different spaces. So, really, really important to think about this place and this time as a place that amazing, amazing things happen here and are collected here. And it's just something that um, it's easy to forget if you don't really keep it top of mind. So as I think about
1: full circle, lots is going, a lot is going on here. And I'm really excited about this podcast because when I connect with certain friends, they always ask, what are you listening to or what art is being moved? what, What art is moving you at the moment? And what's coming up now are the conversations that I'm having with people. In so many instances, you can just get so plugged into a stimulating experience that can be found on a screen, but I'm learning just how powerful, affirming and nourishing conversation can be. And so having this space for us right now to engage in dialogue with various Black women cultural producers has so much possibility in it that I'm just so excited to see materialize and and witness and support.
0: Well, I thank you all for this informative yet engaging and really in-depth opportunity uh, to talk about all of the great work that's happening here. And uh, Makiba, Andrea, and I think that you all are doing amazing work. And I'm sure everyone can hear that. I think that's not just me saying that. I think that's been borne out over the course of this conversation. And I'm excited to see uh, this upcoming exhibit. I'm excited to, to uh, have this podcast be a platform for that exhibition and to continue to highlight the great work that you all are doing. So on behalf of the public who is listening, I say thank you Uh, for your words and for your insight.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Willi. Thanks very much.
0: Thank you.